are worthy. You are worthy of our praise, of our glory, of our honor. Lord, we worship you from the depths of our hearts. Lord, for this message you sent us in this last day. Lord, we thank you for truth that has turned our hearts back to the faith of the fathers. We thank you for a word that is a living word, a word with power in it. Power, oh God, that has healed the sick, that has raised the dead. Lord, that has saved the lost. Lord, that there's nothing too hard for the Lord. We thank you, O oh God, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. We send out today on the wings of this prayer. We send out a message of deliverance, a message of healing as the Son of Righteousness arises with healing in his wings. We send it out around the world. Lord, in the name of Jesus, let your people around the world, Lord, realize we're not a defeated church. We're a victorious church. There's a victorious Christ among us. He is in our midst. And he's the same today as he was yesterday. And I ask, Lord, that you'll just minister to every heart today according to the need that is there. In the name of Jesus, we would ask it for your glory. Lord, you know, there's a little prayer request that's come in. And we want to remember today one of our churches across the land over in the Carolinas. Little sister orders that's had a stroke. And there is nothing too hard for you. I remember that day when you came into the room and you spoke and you brought healing, Lord, to my wife in that condition, restored back her sight. Lord, you can even do the same today for this little sister, for there's nothing too hard for the Lord. And today we speak it in your name. Let the healing virtues flow from the throne of grace to her and to her husband, our brother Mike orders, ever needs supply, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you. Man, isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Isn't it good to be in his presence? Amen. Well, in his presence is fullness of joy. Amen. This is a wonderful day of remembrance and gathering together to honor the resurrection that he is not dead. But this is a Sunday. S-O-N-D-A-Y. Amen. It is the rising of the sun. It happens here in the evening time. For he said in the evening time, it shall be light. Amen. What a glorious God we serve today. Amen. I also wanted to welcome home some of our travelers, Brother Jim Morgan, his wife, Sister Kathy, and also Sister Rachel's here. Don't, there she is. All right. And um, just good to have them all back home. Amen. In service with us today. And Brother, they, they have been um, in Ohio helping Brother Craig Boer to, and Sister Anna to get their house ready for sale. And uh, Brother Craig is announcing to the church there today that he is moving here. Amen. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> Amen. Amen. So we thank the Lord for that. Amen. We want to welcome our, uh, our southern friends that have, we have loaned to the north for a while to come back home. Amen. So uh, good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Aren't you glad to be a Christian? Amen. I got a little song that's been on my heart, been wanting to sing it for some time. And uh, if you put the words up there, we'll look at them first because I want to talk about it before we sing it. And um, so if you'll put the words up, he's here, Elijah's God is in our hearts today. That's where Elijah's God is. Amen. Amen. He's not just in glory, but he's here on the earth working through the body of his people. He's here to will and do whatever we say. Amen. The bride knows, has thus saith the Lord, and knows what he wants done with the word. Amen. Behold, it's the bride. Amen. It's the bride of Christ in full array. That's what I'm going to be speaking on today, God's mighty army. Because she's here in full array. Brother Timothy, you've been preaching about her armor. It's not for decoration. Amen. It's for the battle. Amen. And the battle is the Lord's. Amen. He's here. Elijah's God is here. Let me see the next little verse there. She walks in step. Not out of step. But in step with the revealed word of the hour. She talks and demons flee before her very power. Behold, or look, it's the bride of Christ in full array. Amen. Where is she? We've not been seen in the vision. Marching in step. Amen. With the word of this hour, hearing the voice of the prophet of God, keeping us in line. Amen. So we don't get out of step. Amen. It's the bride of Christ in full array. He's here. Where is he? Elijah's God is here. He's in you. He's in me. He's in this church. He's in the bride around the world. Amen. He's a living God testifying his message is alive. Amen. Let's worship God as we just sing this together now. He's here. Elijah's God is in our hearts today. He's here to will and do whatever we say. Behold the bride of Christ in full array. He's here. Elijah's God is Thank you. 
present in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Right down to the end of the age saying, I haven't left you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm still the victorious Christ. I'm still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. He's here. Amen. What is she to do? She's to speak. This is our speaking. Amen. Taking authority. Standing there as a child of God. Toe to toe with the enemy. Amen. Drive him back. We're here to drive him out of the land. Amen. This is our land. We're the people of the book. Amen. It's our land. We have come to possess it. Ever promise. No matter what it is. Amen. We're here to possess it. Amen. God bless you. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. I'm going to read to you again about a mighty army. A mighty army. And that's what we're going to be speaking on today is God's mighty army. She rises by the words of a prophet. Amen. That's how she comes into being. She rises and she comes into existence by the words of a prophet. She was nothing but bones. She was forgotten. It was a valley full of dry bones. But God said, I will restore, saith the Lord. That's his word of promise. Amen. Ezekiel 37 verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out into the, in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about and behold, there were many, very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord God, thou knowest. Again, he said unto me, prophesy. See, you have to speak. Amen. Prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, all ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. And I will lay sinew upon you and, and will bring you up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a noise. And behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinew and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then he said unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the, to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came unto them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Hallelujah. That's who I'm addressing today is God's mighty army. Amen. God bless you. You come and have your seats. Amen. The word has been spoken. And once the word is spoken, 
and been released, it cannot return into the void. It must accomplish what it's sent out to do. You know, when I think about the people of the land as we're speaking about, or the people of the book have returned to the land, I think about Israel having returned to their homeland in this generation. And as they, as they came, they, they found again that there was people that wanted to inhabit it also. And, you know, it was not enough to come along and say, you see, now this is Gilgal and this over here is where Jericho was and here's the ancient walls that we can dig down and see that they did fall and, and here's the well of Abraham and here's all of this that, you, that, that is there. But it wasn't enough just to point out that these ancient truths were in the land. They had to possess that land. Amen. And then once in possessing it, then they would have to defend it, amen, with their lives. Wasn't enough that they escaped the Holocaust or the Dark Ages uh, or, or from the concentration camps of denominationalism, but we must possess our inheritance. And, and so you see in, in that they soon begin to realize that every Israeli has to be a part of the defense of their country. Amen. It, it, would, it would mean that every boy, every girl would come and they were born realizing if this country is going to be defended, I'm going to have to defend it. We cannot depend on the world to do it. We must be an invincible army. We cannot depend on the other nations to come to our aid in our time of need. We must arm ourselves and we must train ourselves to meet the enemy that has surrounded us. Amen. And so it is something that every Israeli must never forget. Amen. That it is their responsibility to take a hold of their land and to, to possess their land and to hold that land because there's every kind of other enemy that wants to take it away from them. Amen. Now, when we were in Israel here recently, we took a tour of a little pottery house that somebody had, you know, where it's actually a glass house and, you know, um, it had rained and it, we felt it was kind of a little bit, maybe a waste of our time. But nevertheless, what we were walking through, touring it, the old Jewish woman said, I wasn't in the Holocaust, but I'll tell you, I know so many that were. And I'll just tell you, we must never forget and we must never forgive. Now you might think, oh, well, now Christians forgive. Christians forgive. But I want to make you understand, we're not talking about forgiving one another. We're not talking about forgiving people. But we are talking about forgiving the enemy and forgiving what the devil has done in prior ages that has tried to strip the church and make her a powerless people so they can take her away in a dispersal somewhere. Amen. As we said, we are in this land because we are here to see the Messiah. Amen. We're not leaving it for any other thing. And we must never forget. I'm talking to a church today that must never forget what the Antichrist did by 
killing 68 million of our brothers and sisters. Those valiant men and women and children, we can never forgive this and we can never forget what the spirit of the Antichrist does and may it with an, a denominating spirit that says we are the people and you got to come to us because we are the mercy seat. And there's no other salvation except in us. And so they build camps that families can't get out of. Where, pe- where parents and their grown children can't even talk about the message together because some spirit has taken them into bondage. We must never forget And we must never forgive. We will never tolerate the spirit of organization rising up in this message. Never again. Amen. We'll never never tolerate the spirit of Nicolaitanism to conquer the laity. Whether it comes from the laity side, which is reversal Nicolaitan, or whether it comes from the ministry side, which is also Nicolaitanism. We will never, never forget what bondage is and what slavery is. We will never, ever be slaves again. How many feels that way this morning? I will not be slave to some denominational dogma, to some idea of man. I will not be a slave to sin or unbelief of any kind. I will not tolerate any kind of bondage. Oh, if I could send a message out across the country, if you're caught in one of them concentration camps, get out. Amen. There's a call came in this day, said, come out of her, my people, and be a separate, saith the Lord. Amen. Now, this, let me just tell you this quote. Has, me, has more meaning to me that I'm fixing to share with you. And I don't want you to think, Brother Tim, this is old hat. We've heard it over and over. Because, yeah, it's been one of my favorites. And I don't mind preaching it again. Amen. But, but it's, it's one that we're familiar with. But it remains today one of the most powerful devil-defeating quotes that, that you can find in the church age book. And I can't help it today but, but post it to you as a reminder of what we must do. Now, Brother Branham would tell us on page 15, let me show you why, why another reason why Satan hates this book of the revelation of Jesus Christ in the church. He knows that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he changes not. He knows that Uh, more than do 90% of the theologians. He knows that since God is immutable, that means unchangeable in his nature, then he's just as immutable in his ways. Thus, Satan knows assuredly that the original church at Pentecost with the power of God, Mark 16 in action, is the true church that Jesus claims as his own. All else is false. It has to be. Amen. That's still the truth today. Amen. The, 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 the original church at Pentecost is the one he claims as his own. That's God's church. Amen. That's God's church. That's the blueprint for the rest of us. Come on. 
which, which is Mark 16 in action, is the true church that Jesus claims is his own. All else is false. Amen. Now remember this, Christ and the true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. Amen. Now, we are not the book of Acts. We're the continuation of it. Where they fail and left off, we're going forward with it. Somebody with me? Amen. Where the church began to decline, we're not declining with them. Where the seed went in the ground and rotted to bring up more, we're not going down the ground and rot. Amen. We're not come here to rot. We have come here to what? Be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Amen. It's here in this land we've come to see the Messiah. Now, he says, but the book of Revelation shows how that the Antichrist spirit would come into the church and defile it. And this is what it'll do. Make it lukewarm, formal, and powerless. Now, this is what the Antichrist wants to do in your life. This is what he wants to do in the church, this church. This is what he wants to do in the bride worldwide. Make the church lukewarm and formal and powerless. He said it exposes Satan, revealing his works, the attempted destruction of God's people, and the discrediting of God's word right down to the time he's cast into the lake of fire. He fights that, and he cannot stand it. He knows If the people get the true revelation, somebody say true revelation of the true church and what she is and what she stands for, hold now, and that she can do the greater works. I'm talking to a can-do church. Amen. I'm talking about a can-do bride. I'm not talking to a powerless, weak bunch of people. I am talking about a can-do. I can overcome this. I can rise above this. I can. Amen. You say it's out of reach for me. No, I can do it. I'm talking to a bunch of can-do Christians. I don't care if you just started out. Amen. When you, amen, it's got to start right there. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. He's the one that's my power. He's the one that's my strength. Amen. He knows that the people get the true revelation of the true church and what she is and what she stands for and that she can do the greater works. She will be an invincible army. Amen. I'm talking about you this morning. If they get a true revelation of the two spirits that within the framework of the Christian church and by God's spirit discern and withstand. You see, it ain't enough just to discern it. You have to withstand it. Amen. Now, notice he says Satan Discern and withstand the Antichrist spirit, then Satan will be powerless before her. Amen. If you just stop for a moment, even at that spirit that's working, 
in your life. Like Brother Gary was talking about today, you know, with that spirit that come in. He had to discern it wasn't of God. And then he had to call on God to withstand it. Come on, you just see, you can't just do one of them. You got to do it both. You got to discern that's the devil. Amen. Then you got to withstand it. Amen. You got to resist him. Yes. Now notice, he will, he will be as definitely thwarted as what today is when he stood, as when Christ stood, withstood his ever effort to gain power over him in the desert. Yes, Satan hates revelation, but we love it. With true revelation in our lives, the gates of hell cannot prevail against us, but we will prevail over them. Amen. That, that's what it takes, that true revelation in your heart. It makes you know you will prevail. You know why you're going to prevail? You're going to outlast them. You're going to outlive them. You're going to out, outfight them. Because why? They're only temporary. Hallelujah. But you're eternal. Amen. Now, we have returned to the homeland of the Bible. And I just want to say to you, this is not another station or another stopping place on the journey where another camp or another denomination is built. We are not here at this place in the journey to, uh, uh, because we have arrived. We're not on the journey anymore. I'm not going anywhere. We've come back to the land. Amen. Now, other places, they had stations along the journey. And if we can say it, Luther built a, you know, had a stopping place there on the journey. And there's where the Luthers come. And then Wesley come along and he's got a stopping place or station on the journey. And that's where they stopped. And Lazusa Street, they did the same thing. They can't write down, build their organization. Somebody with me? Amen. And what happened? They had another stopping place. But we have not stopped until we have come to the land. Amen. And we have not yet possessed it all. And we won't until the moment the Messiah comes. We're making this ready, amen, to receive the Messiah. Now, I want you to understand, you are here at this place by predestination. This is your destiny. This destiny was predestined. God knew that you were coming and that you would be the people of the land. Amen. The people of the book who have returned back to the land again. Now, Brother Branham would tell you in the, the future home, and he speaks about how that by rapture, he said, we're entering into that real, genuine eternity where the church is called not to some station or to some denomination, but into eternity with their eternal king. That's what we have come here, to leave from here. Our next place from here is glory. And we're not leaving this word. In fact, the matter is we won't leave the word when we go there. The word said that's where we're going. It's part of our homeland. It's when that dimension and this dimension connects together and we walk on home. Am I talking to some Enix today? Now, 
So you see, it's not just another stage on the journey. If we were talking about it on the wheat plant, Brother Branham expressed how there was a seed at the beginning or grain and grain at the end. He said in between that was all wheat, but they were carriers. It's places where the life passed through. It was the life moving from seed to seed and the journeys, the stations along the way, Right? So the, the junction or the stopping places are, are the places we can look is, is the, 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 the stalk and then the tassel and then the shop and find the grain again. So you see, as he said, there will be no more carriers because these were the stalk and the tassel and the, and the, and the shop were only carriers of the life. Amen. They were, they were not the grain. They were just carrying the life until it comes back to grain again. These other stations, God bless them, Luther, Wesley, Azusa Street, they were stopping places along the journey where some people stopped and some people never went. Amen. But I can look at people right here that's been through every one of them and you didn't stop. Amen. You didn't stop there. You kept going until you got back to the promised land of the Bible. Till you come back to Paul's message again. So we type it as if we plant. So it started out as seed. Paul's message. It ends with the seed. Paul's message. It's not another gospel. Same gospel. Amen. But there's been stations along the way. Amen. Where the life passed through. And they were junctions along the way. Now, but we're back to grain again. Now, so Brother Branham was talking about the grain, the original grain, Jesus Christ. And he said when he came, he had to correct their. Amen. And even though he was a young boy at the temple, when his mother came out and said, Upset about him, you know, Mary come out and said, your father and I. And there at that moment, she denies the supernatural birth of the word. Now, Brother Branham said, that's exactly what Pentecost did. They denied the supernatural birth of the word and they took tongues instead. They thought it was something man-made or you could manufacture Amen. And again, she said, your father and I referred to Joseph. And Jesus corrected her. Yet he was young. He corrected his mother. Amen. And what he said, I must be about my father's business. You see, the word of the hour corrects the wrong of the hour. Amen. That's why when it come back, even in its infancy of the message, what was it doing? Correcting the error. Amen. And Jesus said, that's Father's business. Amen. Father's business today is the same thing. It's correcting the error. Amen. It corrects for error in your life, corrects error in your marriage. It'll correct error in your home. It'll correct error in the local body. Amen. It'll correct the error in the, in the church worldwide body. It'll correct the error in the doctrines. Is that right? Now he said, could you think about what the father's business was in Jesus? He said to fulfill what Isaiah said, a virgin shall conceive. 
to fulfill what Isaiah said again, the lame shall leap like a heart. And all these things that would take place, like Moses said, the Lord your God shall raise up a prophet among you like unto me. It was the Father's business to fulfill that word. Hallelujah. Now then, friends, we're back to grain again. Come on, church. Amen. We're back down. We're back right back to the original seed again. Amen. And it is our job to be about Father's business to correct the error. Amen. No matter where the error is. Amen. Whether it's a sin error in your life, if there's a sin error in your home, if there's a sin error in your parenting, I know some of you don't believe in spanking your children and rearing them in, in godly fear like that. I'm going to tell you something. That is an error you need to get rid of. Amen. I tell you, it stands true in all the faces of the psychologists in the world today. Amen. If you want to believe a lie, go ahead and believe the lie. It'll damn your kids. Well, if I'm going to fight, I'll just fight. Amen. Amen. If I got to pastor a little bit while I preach, I'll do that too. Amen. But listen, church, it's, it's important. We be about Father's business. Amen. You know, I heard the other day of a little boy picking up his Bible and turning it over, and he started reading uh, in Ephesians, children, obey your parents. Oh, let me read me another verse. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of church members today. Amen. We get a little bit of correction comes in. Turn the page real quick. Now, that's the secret of the message now, Brother Branham says. Just exactly the Father's business. What is the Father's business? Could you think about what the Father's business was to him? And then I went down through that. He said, well, if it come down through them stalks of the natural women, what about... And I know you won't get all this, but if you go and see that out there with this shock, you'll understand the, this terminology a little better. But he says, but he, but, but he said, what about the stocks of these spiritual church women? Churches mean women. Women means churches. That's, that's what we must, that's what it is now. We must be about Father's business. The wheat would cry back the grain. Yes, sir, what must it do? Vindicate Malachi 4. Amen. Vindicate St. Luke 17:30. Vindicate Hebrews 13 and 8. Vindicate Revelation, the 10th chapter, the opening of the seven seals and the mysteries of God, even the serpent seed and all would be manifested, marriage and divorce and all these other mysteries that's been hid under the pillars for all of these years from the theologians and so forth. But now it is the hour that's the father's business. Now, what does it mean now to vindicate Malachi 4, Luke 17, 30, Hebrews 13, 8, St. John 14, 12, Revelation 10, 7? Well, what does it mean to vindicate? All right, here's what vindicate means. It means to defend, to clear from blame, and to prove something is right. Hallelujah. I'm talking about an army now. Your job is to defend this message. Amen. You are to prove it is right. 
you're to stand for the truth. Amen, in your home against the psychologist. Amen, in your marriage against the ideas of man. Wherever it is, you are to stand for truth. Truth must be stood for. We're here on July 4th, you know, weekend where, where, where truth has got to be stood for. We've got to appreciate our liberty. And the Bible says, stand fast. In that liberty wherein Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Sin bondage, denominational bondage, any bondage. We're not going to be entangled again. Amen. We have a right to defend it. When it rises up in our flesh, I mean, you've got to prove this message is right. By what? Bringing that flesh under control. Some of you need to do it right now and get rid of that sleeping demon that's on you. Hello, somebody hung up. Operator here, there's some wires just got disconnected. Well, I hope I can get them back together just a minute. Amen. To defend, to clear from blame, to prove something is right. The last church age, I want you to remember this, is shown in the book of Revelation. The church ages are shown as the horns on the lamb. Amen. Seven horns. Seven eyes. Is that right? Amen. So there are seven horns, seven eyes, there's seven messengers. There's seven church ages. There's not eight. Amen. There's, we're not in some eighth day or some eighth age or way beyond this message and, and its prophet. No, you can't go beyond this seer. Is somebody with me? But I want you to know what these horns on the lamb is for. The horns are his protection. And they protect his rights on the earth. Amen. The, the, the horns of the lamb are his army. And he's got an army in every age. Amen. Now, I want you to understand, in this, you cannot be just a complacent onlooker. Amen. You can, every member of the body must be a warrior. Nobody's got a right to sit back in the, in the easy chair somewhere. I don't care whether you're old or young, you've got a battle to face. Amen. You've got a fight to win. Amen. You've got something you're going to rise up above. Is that right? Amen. So we're not here as a complacent onlooker. I'm going to talk to the churches for a minute. You did not come in this building and this service to just be a complacent onlooker. Amen. Onlookers, onlookers are not what we want in this army. Amen. We do not want a spectator one. We want everyone to take their sword, arm themselves, and march forward. Amen. Amen. You got to be it. You got to be a warrior. Every person in Israel must be a warrior. I don't care. Our guide was, was 56, 57 years old. But I'll tell you what, the moment that the sound comes, he drops what he's doing and he grabs his armor and his armory and goes. He might be saying, I'm retired. You're not retired, you're retarded. 
There's no retirement in this army. And there's healing for retardation. Retardation is called lukewarmness. And when you get lukewarm, your spiritual condition is retarded. I know I ain't supposed to be using that word. It's not a, it's not a good word to use anymore, Brother Tim. Well, I'm a country boy and that's my country ways. I don't know how to say what? Mentally deficient. Retarded. Your prayer life is retarded. Your tape listening is retarded. Your Bible reading is retarded. I'm talking about Laodiceans and onlookers. The rest of you can shout. The rest of you can say amen. But the rest of that, but the others there that are complacent, just willing to be a good denominational Christian, this is not a station. This is not a stopping place. In your Christian experience, it's there is not a stopping place. You, you say, I've achieved. You hadn't achieved enough. Say, Brother Jim, you've achieved. I haven't achieved enough. Paul said, I count not myself to have appertained or to pertain at all. But he said, I press toward the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. He kept pushing forward. He kept going on. Now, you see, you see, we're not complacent onlookers. This is every, every man, every member of the body must be a warrior. In this army, every person must be ready at any time because they're submitted to God already. To resist the devil so he'll flee from you. Amen. So you must fight, resist. And we're fighting on all fronts, church. Amen. We, we fight for doctrine. We fight for truth. We must fight for holiness. That's a fight. It's a fight in your home. It's a fight in the church. It's a fight with our young people. Sadly, it's a fight with some of our old people. Amen. But it's a fight for holiness, not just for girls, but for boys. So they don't take on this Sodom spirit of the age. Amen. We, we got to fight for divine healing. Amen. We got we to gotta fight for a spiritual atmosphere in the church. Amen. Not only for the church, but a spiritual atmosphere in our home. Amen. Not only our home, but a spiritual atmosphere within us. We must fight for our marriages. We must fight for our kids. Amen. We must fight against lukewarmness and complacency. We're in a battle. And it's on all fronts. It's in every level. Now, I'm just going to tell you, you cannot be in this age 
And this time, just a complacent onlooker. You cannot be an unproductive Christian. Now, hey, some of it, some of you just need to start with learning just to come to church every time the door is open. You don't get that fundamental rule down, you'll never go anywhere. Because you got to get rid of the organizational, denominational, Baptist, Methodist, Catholic mentality that I do what I, what I want to do when I feel like it. We do it because the Word said so. And because He promised He would meet us here. Now, so the Scripture says, now about this, He tells us, that the unproductive branches will be cut off. Because there's a purging, there's a cleansing. And this is a day we must be about Father's business in the vineyard. And part of it has to do with pruning and cleansing. That's purging, cleansing the vine. Now, that don't mean that we, we get rid of church members, that means that we get rid of the complacency and what's making us unproductive in our lives. Now, anyway, sort of seeing church age, Brother Branham said this. He said, the scripture says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth and with the Holy Ghost and power, he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed to the devil. And Jesus, as Jesus went away, he told his disciples to tarry unto Pentecost, at that which time that the same very same spirit that was upon him would come back and fall on them and fill them. Then that called out body, the church, would be in his stead on the earth, taking his place. And and because that same spirit that was in him would be in them, they would do his very same works. And any people that are truly the body of Jesus Christ, the true church, will manifest the same works as Jesus and the Pentecostal church. Because the same spirit will be in them. Any other church that does not have the spirit and manifestations is going to account to God. So we got to strive to be a spiritual church. We got to fight against worldliness. Whatever level it is in. Now, John 15 and verse 1, I'm going to show you this vine. We're going to go through this real quickly, as quickly as I can do it. I am the true vine. And my father is the, branch, uh, the husbandman. And every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it. So now, God purges even the fruit that's bearing. Or the, the branch that's bearing. Is somebody with me now? It's, not just, it's just not one. The one that beareth not fruit, he takes that away. The one that is bearing fruit, he purges it. Amen. Now, to purge a, a vine is to remove its useless shoots. Because they're just suckers. They suck the life out. Now, let me, let, me, let me pastor just a minute. Do you know when you come to church and you sit there like a knot on the log, 
You are sucking the life out. You're a sucker in the church and not a fruit bearer. You must strive every time you come here to produce an atmosphere where Jesus Christ can prove himself the same yesterday, today, and forever that you are here to be about Father's business. I'm all business. I come to this church. I'm all business. I'm not playing games. I'm here. I'm here to put away my childishness, my, my childishness and be a real man. Be a man. Take my weapons. Fight against the oppressor. Amen. Bring heaven down in this place. War back the evil spirits that have that have plagued God's elect through the week and let the Holy Ghost fall in this building and deliverance come to the church of God. Now then, you wonder how in the world is he going to purge the vine? How is he going to get this unproductiveness out? Well, the next verse, verse 3, tells you. Now are you clean through the word which I have spoken to you. The preaching of the word purges the vine. It gets the unfruitfulness out of your life. Come on. It speaks against sin and unbelief and darkness and all of those things. What's it doing? Purging the vine. Why are we purging the vine? Because we want it to be fruitful. Amen. So you're clean through the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. Amen. For I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same beareth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And without Christ in our midst, we're just another morgue. Amen. Without Christ in our midst, we're just another group of people. Got our own little ideas and out here another station along the journey. We've got to have Jesus in every service. Amen. That ought to make every one of you say, come by here, Lord. Come by my way. Come speak to me, Lord. Purge me today, Lord, where I can bring forth much fruit. Amen. Notice he says again, if you abide in me, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. And then here comes our wonderful scripture. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, amen, then we do what everybody is wanting to do in this last day. Ask what you will and it shall be done to you. How many wants to be that kind of a church? Amen, that we, we ask what we will. And it shall be done to us. I'm talking about a spoken word church. I'm talking about a church with power. That God honors her word and backs her up. That we can say, he's here, Elijah's God. Where's he at? 
He's in his bride. He's in me. He's in the church. Now, anything contrary to to God's word is Satan's kingdom. So therefore, that's our enemy. If it's contrary to to God's word, that's Satan's kingdom. That's our enemy. Amen. His kingdom is darkness. And 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 the end of it is death. Now, Brother Branham goes as he says, "What is Satan's kingdom? Anything contrary to the Word of God." Now, bring it right down to any level: your home, your life, your flesh, the church, anything. Now, so anything contrary to the precepts of God, the Word is not God. Brother Branham said, now it's cutting, but it's time for cutting. The branch, the tree, if it's going to bear, it must be pruned. So Brother Branham said, I got to say some cutting things sometimes. Because there's things that's got to be pruned off. Now, so he said, anything contrary to the precepts of God, the word of God is not God. What it is, what is sin? Righteousness perverted. What is death? Life perverted. What is the kingdom of Satan? Anything that's setting, that's setting something to take the place of the word of God. Anything, any teaching. Any one word, just one word. You might believe every bit. He believed every bit of it, but that one word. That one word is all she needed to disbelieve. That one word is all you need to disbelieve. It ain't ain't good enough to be 99% truth. Now, there's a spiritual war that is happening. And we got to take sides with Jesus. Now, when you come right now, I'm going to bring this on down for a, little long, for a little longer now. Watch this. You remember in the book of Esther? Esther is a type of the bride coming into power, into position. Amen. And, and she didn't realize what her position was. She wasn't exercising her authority as a queen. She wasn't going to the king as, as a bride, as a wife. She was considering herself a stranger and estranged and, and still a Jewish and, and you know, not, 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 one of, not one with him and all of this. She didn't realize what she meant to the king. And what I'm trying to tell you today is what you mean to the king. You're not a stranger. You're not a foreigner. You're his wife. You're his wife for crying out loud. Go and ask him. Go and ask him. See if he won't hold out the scepter. See if he won't receive you into his presence. Go and ask him. Hallelujah is right. Amen. There's got to be somebody to say, yes, Lord, that's me. Amen. We're the Lamb's wife. Go ask him. If Haman is threatening to destroy you and destroy your children and wreck your family, go to him. Go to the king. Go to the king. You're 
the king's wife. Finally, Esther comes to realize by Mordecai, the type of the Holy Spirit coming time after time, you got to do something. It could be that you're here in the kingdom for such a time as this. Well, I'm worried about my life. What about the life of all your people? And forget it, you know, you're a Jew too, and if they kill all the Jews, you're dead. You got to stand up. You got to do something, Esther. And I'm telling you, little bride, you got to do something. The enemy's coming in on every side, and you got to do something. We got to do something for our young people. We got to do something for our marriages. We got to do something for our homes, our church. Go to the king. Go to the king, Esther. He's your husband. He'll hold it out. What are you worried about? That to others come and there's death. You have the approach. You have the right, the privilege, the any time to come in his courts. What do you want, Queen Esther? I'll do it for you. Well, even half the kingdom. Now, that don't mean I got half and you got half. That means whatever is mine is yours. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. That's what it means. Whatever I have belongs to you. You are heirs and joint heirs. What is mine is yours. Amen. If you need healing, it's mine, but it's yours. Amen. You need deliverance. It's mine, but it's yours. You want your children saved? I want my children saved. It's mine. It's yours. Whatever you need, that wicked Haman ain't got a chance in the presence of your king. But somebody got to stand up. Somebody's got to stand up to the devil and say enough is enough, enough is enough. That's what David did. He said, I heard your boast long enough. Once was enough. I don't need to hear it day after. One time is enough. Today, I cut your head off. Hallelujah. I love it when I don't have to say, help me preach. That you're doing your job. Hallelujah. It makes it a lot easier. Amen. Esther 8.1. On that day. On that day. We're in the day that King Ahasuerus gave the house of Haman the Jews' enemy, unto Esther the queen. <laughs> You're living in that day. And he has given Esther. Come on, church. 
Amen. The house of Haman, the Jew's enemy. Your enemy's house. His kingdom. All that he is, is given into your hands. But you have to stand up. You have to go to the king. You have to recognize your position. You gotta know who you are. You gotta know that by this moment you were born. You are predestinated to be here. Hallelujah. And the king, verse 11, granted to Jews, which were in every city, oh, it's not just for evening light tabernacle. Amen. Well, wherever that bride is, wherever the people of the book are, amen, the king granted the Jews, which were in every city, to gather themselves together. Here we are this morning, all in one accord, in one name. Under one name, under one banner. Hallelujah. Amen. What? To stand for their life. And I'm telling you, church, stand for your life. You got to stand against lukewarmness. You got to stand against complacency. You got to stand against just letting the devil waller you around over and over and over again. Stand up. Paul said, when he got them all to put on the armor, whenever you've done all to stand. Stand. Don't quit. Don't run. Amen. Stand there. With your loins girt about with truth. With a sword in your hand. I'm defending what my promise is. I have come in this land and know you're not going to drive us into the sea. Now, to stand for their life, to destroy, to slay... And the cause to perish, all the power of the people in the province that would assault them, assault them, both little ones and women, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. Now, this is a grant from the king. I'm giving you the permission. I'm giving you the order. I'm giving you the right. Stand up. Stand up for holiness. Stand up for divine healing. Stand up for the power of God. Take your stand. Amen. On anything that has assaulted you. Amen. Whether it's a little one or a woman or female devil or a male devil or whether it's a little one or a big one, it don't matter. Stand up there and destroy him. Because you've got to destroy your enemy before he destroys you. 
some of you, that went over your head. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to young people. I'm talking about complexes. I'm talking about some spirits that want to rise up in you. You have a right to destroy that which has been assaulting you. You do not have to live with that monkey on your back. I don't care how many generations it's been passed down. Maybe some spirit of immorality on my granddaddy and great granddaddy and down here on my mama and my mama's mama and on on it. Forget it. Stand against those that are assaulting you and destroy them. Their power is broken. Take the spoil. Quit making excuses and take the spoil. Verse 13. The copy of the writing for a commandment is published from 1,100 different tapes and sent out everywhere that the Jews should be ready against that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. And don't forget, in 66 books of this precious Bible, go avenge your enemies. And in the day that the enemies, verse 1 of chapter 9, I'm reading just part of this. In the day that the enemies of the Jews hoped to have power over them, like Satan's Eden, like this Laodicean age, and the day when, when, the, when the enemies of the Jews hoped to have power over them, though it was turned to the contrary, that the Jews had rule over them that hated them. <laughs> Glory. The Jews gathered themselves together in their cities throughout all the provinces of the king, her houses, to lay hand on such as sought their hurt. And no man could withstand them for the fear of them that fell upon all people. Hallelujah. Oh, if this bride will only take her stand, the fear of this bride will fall on every devil on every demon of Satan's kingdom. Hallelujah. Verse five. five. And the Jews smote all their enemies with the stroke of the sword and slaughter and destruction and did what they would unto those that hated them. Your enemy is for your taking. Amen. Amen. Not only that, but in verse 14, the the king commanded it so to be done, and the decree was given at Shushan, and they hanged Haman's ten sons, that there would not be a remembrance of him left among them. Not only got him, but all his kids. All the other little devils. Come on, church. 
Amen. We're in the day and the hour of defeating Satan's kingdom by taking a rapture out of this dimension into another. Hallelujah. And today, even, even today, when they have this feast, they, they read the book of Esther. And they write on the bottom of their shoes the name of old wicked Haman. Write it on the bottom of them. And every time they read a verse of that scripture and they say his name, they stomp their feet. Hallelujah. And by the time they're through the book, by the time they're through the book, his name ain't on the bottom of their shoe anymore. service of many climaxes. Glory to God. Do you love him this morning? Hallelujah. I want you to know God is on your side. Would you turn with me to Psalm chapter 124? Psalm chapter 124. Pin this on your refrigerator. Better not put it in your heart. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Now may Sister Karen say. Amen. Now may little Drew say. Come on church. Amen. Now brother Gary may may we should say. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, amen, if it had not been that the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, they had swallowed us up real quick when their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters had overwhelmed us and the streams had gone over our soul. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help 
is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Who's on your side this morning? Don't you know the king is with you? Elijah's God is where? He's here. Amen. Notice, Brother Branham said in the church age book, there was no one with him when he trod the fierceness of the wrath of the fiery furnace. It was not another but him who hung upon the cross and gave his blood. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the alpha and omega of our salvation. We are espoused to him and not another. We don't belong to the church. We belong to him. His law, his word is our law. Creeds and dogmas, bylaws, constitution have no effect on us. Yes, it is Jesus alone who walks in the midst of the churches. It is God in her. Willing and doing of his good pleasure. Never forget that. You have one relationship to God and God has only one relationship to you. And that's Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen. He continues on in the Ephesian church. He's saying these seven messengers are making God known to the people. He receiveth, he that receiveth them receiveth him that sent him. John 13, 20, they act, they speak and act upon his authority. He stands behind them with all the power of the Godhead. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said unto them, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Unto the end of the world, and Brother Bram says, consummation of the ages. Amen. So there they are, full of the Holy Ghost and faith, on fire with the fire of God's, holding forth the word of truth. And he stands there to back them up. And think of it, not one believer of any age. Oh, this is wonderful now. Not one believer of any age need to cry in his heart. Oh, that I might have been back there in the first age when the apostles were first sent out and there's no need to look back. Look up. Behold him who is even now walking in the midst of the churches through all ages. Behold him who is the same yesterday, today, and forever and who never changes either in essence or his ways. Whether two or three are gathered wherever or where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in their midst. And not only is he in their midst, now listen, here's where I got one of my words. And not only is in their midst as a complacent onlooker, he's not here either as a complacent onlooker or as a recording angel. Just writing down the nice things you do or the bad things you do. But he's standing there expressing what he is. The life and sustainer and the giver of all good gifts to the church. He's not here this morning as a complacent onlooker. Amen. 
all you have to do is expose the devil to him. And he says, take that wicked ham, Haman, and hang him on those gallows. Come on, because the bride's enemy is his enemy. Now, over and over, you know, he asserts to us over and again, you know, that, uh, that Malachi 4 returns us back to the faith and the original doctrine of the Pentecostal fathers. Now, to say something different from that, a person would have to deny most of the message. The whole purpose of Malachi 4 was to turn us back to the original faith, to bring us to our homeland, to bring us back to Paul's gospel. This is not another gospel we are preaching. It is Paul's gospel. If we come and preach another gospel that Paul didn't preach, let him be a curse. Say, well, Brother Tim, but we got the seals. Paul didn't need the seals. The mysteries of Christ was revealed to Paul. Amen. He knew predestination, eternal security, water baptism in Jesus' name. He knew all it. They wasn't hidden from them. He didn't need it restored. We have been restored to the land that Paul lived. So we have the same gospel Paul preached. Now, why, why is this? That we, what is it that we must do? Let's go to John, Jude 1 and 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. This is our common salvation. It was needful me to me to write unto you and exhort that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Now, you're going to have to earnestly fight. I'm talking about God's mighty army now. You're here to fight. Amen. You're here to do exploits. Now, I can look out here and I can see exploits. I can go naming exploits. Amen. Over sin, over, over disease, over, over death, over the devil. Amen. We heard a testimony of an exploit today. Amen. What was that? That was for Brother Gary Stanky where he rose up, his faith rose up and took a hold of the promise of God and began to contend for the faith. Amen. Why? Why is it that we need to contend for it? Verse 4. For there are certain men crept in unawares. They come in unnoticed. They come in posing as believers. And they, they claim to believe the message too. Who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. They're really ungodly men. Turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. And denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. My word. These men have come in the church, the Christian church, and they're doing what? They're giving people a license to sin, a license to disbelieve. They're even giving them a license to disbelieve and take the message further than what the prophet promised. Come on. And that adultery is worse than physical adultery. Yeah. Turning the grace of God, the favor that he gave by sending a message into a license now. We can go beyond the seventh messenger and we can have an eighth age and an eighth day 
And we now, in this place, we're beyond the seventh angel and his message. And it turns the favor of God into license to disbelieve again. When we were turned back to the faith by the prophet. Somebody with me? Galatians 1, 6. I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. You mean Paul is saying, I'm having to contend with believers believing another gospel? I'm having to contend with people actually taking my words and resting them. You know that word means torturing them, crucifying them. Bringing them to shame. Making the message into a cult. Mm -hmm. Watch now. He says, which is not another. There ain't another gospel. There's no two gospels. There's no three ways. There's one way. There's one message. Amen. We heard the song, you know, that Sister Jessica sang. You know, the message. We got to stand for the message. Are you with me? It's not another, but there's some, be some that trouble you, and they would pervert the gospel of Christ. Just change it a little. All it took was one word for Eve. So we get down to the end, and what Satan want to do? Take the glorious message that a prophet sent, and people start going beyond it. But though we, or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel. Now he even includes himself. He said, I can't change this. Though we are an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Now, so you know, again, let's establish it real clear. In every age, we have the same pattern. And that's why the light comes through a God-given messenger in a certain area, and from that messenger, there spreads the light through the ministries of others who have been faithfully taught. Now, I'm reading from the church's book. Now, Brother Bradham ex- explained, the messenger comes, and then the light is spread through the ministry of others. Right. Right. Amen. Now, so he says, those that have been faithfully taught. But of course, all those who go out don't always learn how necessary it is to speak only what the messenger has spoken. Remember, Paul warned the people to say only what he said. 1 Corinthians 14, 37, if a man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. What came the word of God out from you or came to you only? They add here or take away there. And soon the message is no longer pure and the revival dies down. How careful we must be to hear one voice. For the Spirit has but one voice, which is the voice of God. Paul warned them to say what he said, even as Peter did likewise. He warned them that even he, Paul, could not change one word of what he had been given by revelation. How important it is to hear the voice of God by the way of his messengers and then say what has been given them to say to the churches. Amen. Now, so therefore, again, we have a message that turned us back to the original faith. 
Is somebody still with me? All right. Give me just a few more moments. I'll, I'll try to find a, a stopping place. Now, in the birth pains, Brother Branham tells us that he sees a vision. And he sees a vision of a bride. And she's walking perfectly in step with the word. And there, it's a song. It's actually, it's a marching song. Because they're an army. And it's, and it's a song that says, Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war, with the cross of Jesus going on before. Amen. Now, so here again, he sees them and he says, They're out from every nation. He said, I see them. It is a group of, of, of beautiful young women, and they're in their national garbs. Representing the countries that they come from. And he said, they're all marching in tune. And he said, as I watch the vision, it fades off of the sight. And I look, and he says, I'm watching them go, and I hear another group coming. And as I watch, here comes another group, and it's a European group. And that European group is where that the other ages have come from. Are you with me? Amen. Like Smyrna and, 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 you know, with, and Sardis and Philadelphia and all of them. And he said, I'm watching this European group come up. And he said, they're, they're, they're in disarray. And then he says, you know, then I hear some more music coming and it's rock and roll. And he said, I, it's a shame to say it, but she's actually naked. She's not in a national garb. She's not clothed. She's naked. And he said, it could only be Laodicea. Now, I'm just ad-libbing and paraphrasing here. Now, just telling the story in my own words. So he said, it had to be Laodicea because she's the one that is blind and naked and is retarded. She don't know it. Are you with me? I mean, there's something, there's a spiritual insanity. She's handicapped. Amen. Now, here's the deal. If, if she, if she was, did that unwillingly then, and ignorantly, but she does it blatantly. Amen. She does it, she does it in spite of what the Word says. She's going to march to her own tomb. And she's also going to battle. Amen. And he said, I watch her. And I'm thinking, oh God, do you mean, do you mean that's all I could do? Because he, when he sees this one, he said, this is the church that come out of, out of America. Amen. That's where the last message rises up out of Laodicean age. And he says, I see her. She's naked. She's She's vulgar. She's lewd. She's unclothed. And she's marching to the tune of rock and roll. She's a modern church. And she's holding some little gray thing in front of her. You know, dancing, dancing to the tune of rock and roll. And I watch her. And she goes and disappears. She goes down. And I watch her go out of sight into the pit. 
And he said, I start to cry, and I think, is that the best I could do as a minister of the gospel? Remember, he was the messenger of the age. And he said, this is the best my ministry could produce. Was that? And he said, I was about to faint. But then I heard the voice behind me say, the bride must come back in view again. Hallelujah. And he said, here she came, that same little group of women. Amen. Exactly like the first. He said, for the alpha must be the omega. He said, he didn't say that between the in between, but he said, the alpha is the omega. Hallelujah. The same pride he had in the beginning, he'll have that same pride in the end time. Hallelujah. And some of them started looking at them, them that was going down, that, that was being led by the witch, that got under the spirit of organization. And they began to try to denominate this message and try to make it into creeds and dogmas and little isms and more camps again. And he says, I watched them, I watched them, and they were getting out of step. And he said, I heard my voice screaming out to them. Stay in step. Don't get out of line. Hallelujah. And he said, I saw them last ones get right back in step again. And when this other went down, this one went up. Hallelujah. You have been seen in the vision. Say to get out of step, to get out of line, did not mean they weren't bride. They were still bride, yet they got out of step. But it takes the preaching of the message of the hour to get that bride back in line again. I say we gotta get information. There's an enemy to defeat, and we will defeat death. Because that one went down into death, but this one goes up. Oh, he said the bride, it's the same bride, same kind, built out of the same kind of material. She was at the same place. Now read Malachi 4 and see if we're not supposed to have a message in the last days that have turned the hearts of the children back to the fathers, back to the original Pentecostal message, word by words. Brothers, we are here. Brothers, we are here. We're in the land. This is our land. Defend it with your life. Love him with all of your heart. We're in the last days, little children, where we're fixing to defeat the last enemy and be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Don't be left behind and don't find yourself identified in these other groups out here, but be identified in the message of the hour because this message will bring you back in line.
Let's stand together and love the Lord today. Hallelujah. The original Pentecostal message. Word by word. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, do you love him? Oh, we ought to love him. Amen. We ought to love him within our, with all of our hearts, with everything within us. Amen. There's so many things today that we could speak about and that we could minister on so many things. Maybe I can get into it in another service. But I just want to come back to the words our brother Gary Stanky spoke this morning because they were in my notes. And he said, don't fear, John. Don't fear, little flock. All that I am, you are heir to. All my power is yours. My omnipotence is yours. As I stand in your midst, I have not come to bring fear and failure, but love and courage and ability. All power is given unto me, and it is yours to use. You speak the word, and I will perform it. That's the word of God to you today. Rejoice in that word. He is here. Elijah's God is here. God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's here. Hallelujah. Oh, just praise God this morning. Magnify your King. Magnify your Lord. Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. Oh, just lift your hands and praise Him right now. Just magnify His name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, you're so wonderful, Father. We praise you, Almighty God. We magnify your name, Lord. Oh, Jesus, you're so wonderful, Lord. Our God and our Savior, our everything, our all in all. Oh, our rock to stand upon. It's a promise you will perform and it will never fail. God, what a stable place to stand upon this morning, Lord. Jesus, we love you, Father. We praise you, God. We worship you, Lord. There's truly none like you, Father. Our God and our Savior, our King and our Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Just play something for a moment. Hallelujah. I got to thinking about the things that God's done for us. You know, in that prayer line, Brother Ron seen little Drew walking normally, and he spoke to me several times as we was in that prayer line. And he leaned over and he said, I just seen that little boy walking. When Bethany had went out the building, I didn't know what had happened. He leaned over and said, I just seen her a little boy walking. Wanted to go get him. A little, lot, little while later, there was this other boy that come walking through. walk on across here he saw this boy walking normally too 
Do you see it right now? Walking normally. Oh, somebody praise the Lord this morning. It is my word and I will perform it and it will never fail. Hallelujah. Whatever you need is this morning. Speak the word. It can fail. It will not fail. It will not return unto him void. God bless you this morning. Hallelujah. God bless you. You can be seated. We're seeing vision fulfilled right before our eyes. Hallelujah. Let's sing that song you're playing. 